Hey everyone, and thank you for joining us for The Well at STSA Church, where we are always seeking to bring an ancient faith to a modern world. And if that's something you're passionate about as well, I hope you'd consider joining us for a special event on Labor Day weekend, August 31st and September 1st. That's when we'll be hosting our first ever open house event, where you can get a behind the scenes look at everything we do at STSA. Over the course of two days, you'll get to hear not only from me, but also from our staff and lead volunteers, the people on the front lines of the ministry, through a variety of breakout sessions that you can choose from. And on top of that, you'll get to experience a full weekend at STSA, where you'll have a backstage pass to everything from setup to cleanup and everything in between. This is our way of sharing what we've learned over the past seven years and hoping that you could benefit from that experience as you seek to bring an ancient faith to your modern world as well. You can learn more at stsaministries.org. That's stsaministries.org. I hope to see you there. Now, let's get to this week's message. Welcome to The Well here at STSA, where we are currently in part three of a series called Starting Small. And if you missed any of the first two parts, you can go on our website, our YouTube page, go to stsa.church, click on The Well. You can get yourself caught up. What we're talking about here in this series is we're talking about how to establish and build good habits or good systems. And the reason why we're talking about this is one thing we talked about in week one for those who are here is we talked about how we all have similar goals, but we have vastly different results. So if I like took a survey and I said, what are your goals for this coming year? Then most of us, like all of our responses would be pretty much the same. Like we all want to get healthier we all want to, to pray more. We all want better relationships. Like we all want pretty much the same thing, but our results are vastly different. So what that says to me, as we talked about in the past couple of weeks, is that it takes more than good goals and good intentions to get results. That it has more to do, actually has less to do with our goals. It has more to do with our habits or our systems of life. Because even though we all want the same thing, we end up in different places. Said another way, there's no one out there who says, you know what, my goal for this coming year, my goal is to struggle financially. No one says my goal, you know what, paycheck to paycheck. Like that's my goal and my goal by the end of the year is to be in worse shape financially than I am. That person who's struggling financially has the same financial goals as you, but they may or may not make it there. No one says this year, I wanna gain five pounds a month. That's my goal, baby. Five pounds per month, go big or go home. I'm not going small this year. Like I wanna get big, I wanna go straight to diabetes by the end of 2020. No one says that, but many people do that because it takes more than goals. No one says I wanna be addicted to pornography. No one says I wanna be an expert at the art of nagging my spouse and my children. No one says I wanna work years and years and years at a dead end job where I am passionless and I make zero difference in this world. No one says any of those things yet Many people live those things out. Why? Because it takes more than goals to reach the results. Our key thought for this series that we talked about in week one, which I'll talk about it every week, is this. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what others do only occasionally. The difference between a successful person and a non-successful person isn't the goals, isn't that they do different things. The difference is the consistency or the systems that they operate under or habits. I'll use those two terms interchangeably. It's not your goals that lead to your success, it's your systems. It's not your goals, it's your systems. The quote that I showed you from week one from that book, Atomic Habits said, we, don't, we do not rise to the level of our goals, we fall to the level of our systems. The one who has good systems in place will be successful, the one who has bad systems will always struggle. Last week specifically, we talked about how to start good habits. And we talked about the importance of habits because we talked about how so much of our lives is done subconsciously. So many of the decisions we make, so many things that we do, we don't think about, but it's habits that are just in place. We don't think about it, but we always pick up our phone first thing in the morning. And then I say, you should pray, you should pray, you should pray. But if your habit is to pick up that phone, that's going to be really hard because the habit is kind of carrying you in place. Your habit is you see your kid's room a mess, you lose it. Okay, like that's a habit that you've gotten yourself into. And we talked about how there's so many things in life that we do without thinking. And that's kind of a scary thought, but it's also an encouraging thought. 
Because if you can build good habits in, then you are on a path to success. Like if you can build in that habit, we talked about last week how we're gonna aim high but start small. And we're gonna talk, we talked about small little baby steps. If I can start small, of not never look at my phone all day, but if I can just say a prayer before I pick up my phone. If I can make that a habit and do that consistency, consistently, that'll put me on a good course. I'm not gonna say that I'm gonna give up all sweets and give up all sugar, but I'm gonna say, I'm gonna build a habit of, I have a shake for breakfast every morning, a protein shake, a green shake, a small habit. And once that habit is in place, that system guides me towards success. I'm not gonna say, we talked about last week, a bad goal coming out of this series is, I'm gonna read the entire Bible this year. That's a bad goal. What a good goal is, I'm gonna read the Bible for five minutes a day, just five minutes a day. Start, aim high, but start small and never underestimate the power of small habits. We saw the dominoes. You never know what's that first domino that's gonna knock down another domino, another domino that may change your identity in life with small habits. That was the last two weeks. Today, we're gonna talk about not how to start good habits, but how to stop the bad ones. And usually when I say habits, most of us, if I tell you, tell me all the habits that you have in life, most of us would think negative, not positive. Most of us would think of those, those pesky little, those little habits that we've been trying to shake for years and we prayed about and we fasted about and we went to seminars about and we read books about. Oh boy, did we read books about it. And oh, did we ask for advice about it and we tried and for Lent, we're gonna give it up and we're gonna, whatever it may be, and we still struggle with those same habits. We're gonna talk today about how to shake some of those habits. And the important thing is just kind of like I said about last week, we're gonna focus on the power of small, not big. We're not gonna talk about big things today. We're gonna to talk about small things because nobody, just like last week when I said that when you wanna change yourself in a positive way, you start small. Nobody ruined their life in one night. Nobody did. That's the story that we hear, okay? Because we like summary because we're busy people. And we just like a headline. We need something in 180 characters, all right? So we like headlines. What we like is, she went to college, she took that class, that professor, she lost her faith. But we're not foolish enough to think that she lost her faith from one class. It was probably building up and there were a lot of signs along the way. We like the headline of, they bought that house and once they bought the house, there was no intimacy in the marriage and the marriage got destroyed. It's all because they bought that house. That's the narrative that we like. We like the summary, the one sentence. We like to, I was okay financially, and then I invested with this guy, and then, you know what, I lost everything, and I've been broke ever since because of that one bad decision. We like summaries, but the truth of the matter is, nobody ruins their life in just one night. Song of Songs, King Solomon says, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. Did you know, if you have a garden, your biggest fear shouldn't be big things, but little things. Like what's gonna ruin your garden is most likely not a big old elephant that's gonna come in and stomp on it. It's most likely gonna be little foxes, little ones that are indetectable, or little chipmunks, or little whatever it may be, little guys. And those little guys eat away. And the same thing in your marriage. Your marriage, your enemy is not big things, it's little things. No marriage is ruined overnight. No relationship is broken overnight. No faith in God is lost overnight. No career is destroyed in one night. Most likely, small things that built up over time. And I'll give you proof of it. We're gonna talk a little bit today about a guy named Samson. You guys all know the story of Samson, right? Like even people who don't read the Bible know Samson. Samson is like the incredible Hulk of the Bible. There's nobody, nobody in the Bible like Samson. Nobody. And there are great people in the Bible. There's nobody. Like he was like, like he was like the pre-Avengers Avenger guy, okay? Like he was ready, like Captain America, incredible, like Spider-Man. They got nothing on Samson. Samson was a real life superhero who proves to us who proved, like if there's anybody who had potential from God, like God-given potential to be great, it was Samson. There's a great story about one time, Samson was attacked by a lion, a lion. Look what it says here in Judges 14, verse five and six. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. So it was just a little baby lion, not like one of the big scary ones, just a little roaring lion. So what do you do when a lion, when you see a lion? Well, what Samson did is, Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. I never ripped up a young goat, okay, nor a lion, but apparently there's like a hierarchy. It's like maybe like a chicken wing, then a goat, and then a lion, okay? So he's already starting above us. 
He tore the young lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. Here's the most amazing part of the story to me. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Hey, how was your day today, Samson? Uh, kind of uneventful. How was the trip home from school? Oh, you know, something happened. I can't really remember what it was. It was like a fly or, okay. Are you kidding me? Man, one time I caught a mouse. I knocked on the neighbor's door to tell him, hey, look who caught a mouse, baby. I took a picture of the roaring mouse this big and I put it on the, the, the social media. Ever look at me. I defeated the mouse, okay? This guy ripped up a lion. For him, it's no big deal. Samson, he's the incredible Hulk of the Bible. But we know the story of Samson. It didn't end well for Samson. Samson ruined his life. How did he ruin his life? Most of us would say he ruined his life when he married Delilah. That was a big mistake. You married Delilah and that ruined your life. Was it just one decision that ruined Samson's life? We'll go to Judges chapter 16. This is the, the, the chapter where he meets Delilah. It says, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. One day, Samson went to Gaza. I did a little bit of research. How far is Gaza from Samson's hometown? It's 25 miles, roughly. This is pre-Uber and pre-Metro. So he walked 25 miles. 25 miles from his hometown to Gaza to see a prostitute. We'll leave kind of that part aside, okay? We'll just leave that part aside. Okay, he walked 25 miles. What is Gaza? Gaza is the headquarters of the Philistines, where Samson is public enemy number one. They hate Samson. They've been trying to kill Samson for a long time because Samson keeps killing their guys. Samson, there's pictures of him everywhere, wanted, dead or alive. Everyone wanted to kill Samson in Gaza. And Samson walked 25 miles into enemy territory, their headquarters, where every step he took he was at risk of dying, all for the purpose of seeing a prostitute. But again, we'll leave that part aside. He walked 25 miles, step after step, every step into danger. Anyone curious how many steps it would be to walk 25 miles? 56,250. 56,250. Say that with me. Say 56,250. Say it again. 56,250. 56,250 is how many choices, little choices, Samson made. How many little bad decisions. Don't tell me Samson ruined his, night in one, ruined his life in one night. Samson made a decision, one step after the other, and he made 56,250 bad choices to go into enemy territory where his life is in danger and to see a prostitute in the, in the meantime as well. He had 56,250 chances to say, this is probably not a good idea. 56,250 chances to say, is this what God wants for me? Is this like the best use of my time? Like, okay, you're marching into enemy territory. You may take 15 steps, 20 steps, 30 steps, but most of us, after about 10,000 steps, would say this is not a good idea. But he kept going and going and going and going. And you ask yourself, who in the right mind would take 56,250 steps towards their own death? Who in the right mind would do it? And my answer is, all of us. And we do it all the time. We do it all the time. We don't march to a city where people want to kill us. Maybe we march to the dinner table. And maybe we're in danger, not of prostitutes and people shooting at us with guns or arrows, whatever they shot at him with. But maybe we go to the dinner table and one bite won't kill us. Or two bites won't kill us, but 56,250 bites will of that junk food that we, that we put in our bodies, that fried food, those buttery treats, your, 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 your gold card membership to the old country buffet, okay, where you just can't get enough of that, 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 that banana pudding with the little the wafers, eat that stuff like it's going out of style. What is that? Every bite is one step closer to a future you don't want. Every bite is a step closer to a future you don't want. Maybe for you, your problem is not what is going into your mouth or what is coming out of your mouth. Maybe you got a gossipy tongue or fingertips, by the way, tongue or fingertips. You got a gossipy mouth, a complaining mouth, a uh, judgmental and criticizing tongue. And you think, of course, you don't call it that. That's not what you call it. What you call it is, 
I'm, 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 you know, de- I'm defending the world, defending the truth on Facebook. Hey, no one ever saved the world on Facebook, by the way, in case you're curious, okay? The world was never saved by a Facebook post, even though we think that. We think we're saving the world one post at a time. You know what you're doing one post at a time? You're killing your own soul. You're pushing away the people who are closest to you, one judgmental comment after another. Criticism after criticism, you are 56,250 steps. What you're doing is killing the people who you love most, one word at a time. And I could go on. Maybe for you, it's pornography, one click at a time. Maybe for you, it's the on- online gambling. Maybe for you, it's video games. What's the big deal? One video game isn't going to kill anybody. Yeah, but 56,250 video games might. One, one gamble online isn't. One look at this website isn't. Yeah, but 56,250 of them back to back to back to back might. If you get nothing else from what I'm saying here today, get this. Every decision is a small step towards something. Every decision is a small step towards something. Every time I choose Netflix, again, replay, next episode, next episode, that's a decision towards something. Every time I make a decision to sleep in versus get up. Every time I make a decision to hang out with this group. Every decision is a small step towards something. Last week I asked you, based on who you want to be, we talked about our identity. Based on who do you want to be? What is one habit that you need to start? Well, today I'm going to ask you the opposite. Based on who you want to be, what is one habit that you need to stop? Based on who you want to be, your identity. For those who missed week one, we talked about we're not starting with the the do, we're starting with the who, the who I want to be. I want to be a godly man. I want to be an involved dad. I want to be someone who makes a difference in the world. I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be a man who's filled with the word of God. Based on who you want to be, What is one habit that is taking you further away from that identity? What one habit is stopping you from getting closer to who it is that you want to be? The first step is to acknowledge it because you cannot defeat what you do not define. So the first step is not coming up with 17 things that I need to work on. Believe me, if you walk out of here with 17 habits to stop, you will do nothing. But walk out of here with one. What one habit is standing in the way of where I want to be in 10 years, where I want my family to be, my dreams are for my career. What one habit is stopping me from becoming who I want to be? And if you say, I don't know, I can't think of anything, I have a tip for you. Ask your wife or your husband or your sister or your brother. I guarantee you they got answers. And if they don't got answers, come see me and I'll help you out. And it takes courage to do so. But you know what? If someone who loves you tells you you got a problem, and then someone else maybe confirms that or hints that you got a problem. Colossians chapter three, verse five through 10 tells us how we're gonna approach these bad habits. Your, your specific bad habit may be, might not be on this list, but take it, uh, what he's saying about these, apply to our own. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Put to death, kill them whether they be fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have been put on the new man, which is who is renewed. And he keeps on going, talking about that identity. That's what I'm trying to get you. You are a new man. You are a new woman. You are a new creation. You are a godly person. You are a person of integrity. You are a healthy person. You are an honest person. That's who you are. So put off, put to death anything which stands in the way of that identity. You see, last week, for those who are here, was a nice week. It was a fun week. We talk about, let's talk about good habits we want to start. I want to pray. I want to exercise. I want to wake up. Early. Like, that's the fun stuff. Today, we get a little bit ugly. Because today, we're going to talk about the ugly parts that we don't like to talk about. We're talking about those things, those ugly parts of us that we don't, uh, maybe even in confession, we don't like to admit. We don't like to admit even to ourselves in the mirror. Okay, those ugly things that we know that are killing us, that are ruining our lives, that we've tried to shake, call them habits, call them addiction, call them struggles, call them whatever they want, whatever you want. What they are is, This is the identity that I want to become, and it stands in the way. And we're going to talk about these things and how we're going to attack them head on because we hate these things about ourselves. And I'll tell you right off the bat, the answer is not going to be try harder. The answer is not going to be willpower. The answer, the reason why you ask yourself, why is it I haven't been able to shake these things? 
Why is it I struggle with it? Is it because it's hard? Like, that's what we always think is, this is just hard, Father Anthony. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to push back on that a little bit and say that's kind of a cop-out. Because we do hard things all the time. We do hard things all the time. Like, yeah, my job is easy. Y'all do hard stuff when you go to work, okay? And y'all require advanced degrees for the stuff that you do. And y'all are, I know people who can run a marathon, a marathon, could do like a five-minute plank and cannot walk past a piece of pizza when it's in the, in the office cafeteria. So don't tell me you can't do hard stuff. I know people who they go to work and they're very well respected and they're calm and they're patient and they're loving. Everyone says, whenever I got a problem, I go to this person. And then at home, they're like a monster, like Frankenstein or whatever monster. I don't know if I'm too Frankenstein, maybe dating myself. Who's a young monster? <laughs> Frankenstein Jr. I don't know, whatever the, the latest monster may be. I know people who can spend, and this might be you and I'm not judging, an hour, an hour on the Facebook. Then you give them the good book, and they say, no, I can't. I have concentration for five minutes. No, I can't. But you're on the Facebook, and you have no problem. There's more to it than just willpower. There's more to it than just willpower. And we need to today, our theme of today is going to be not to fight harder, but to fight smarter. smarter. Not to fight harder, but to fight smarter, and to come up with a plan to attack these bad habits. Let's talk about the difference between good habits and bad habits, because last week we came up with a strategy for good habits, okay? Good habits and bad habits are kind of different. So you have to understand the inherent difference to come up with a strategy that's appropriate for each one. Good habits are hard at the beginning, but then there's a payoff down the road. It's not immediate, okay? So it's, it's hard to get up and jog, all right? It's hard to, to get up and pray. It's hard to, um, uh, to spend time reading versus watching TV. Like they're hard in the beginning, but in time, there's a payoff. So the goal with the good habits, if you remember last week, was make it obvious, make it easy. Because the goal is just to lower the bar, the entry-level bar. Because if I can just start, okay, if I can just start this habit, like I, I'll start jogging today, the, the fat's not gonna fly off, okay, as I'm jogging. But you know what? If I stick with it a month, two months, I'll probably notice some differences, how I'm feeling, maybe how my complexion, and for sure, like, in my, in, in, like how the clothes fit, I'll start to notice. So my goal is, Make the bar low so I can just enter into the door. Bad habits are kind of the opposite. Bad habits are not hard at first. Bad habits are great at first. Bad habits feel good at first. Like it feels good to overeat, doesn't it? It feels good to sleep in, doesn't it? It feels good to maybe say something about that person or to fire back at that person. Like sin and bad habits feels good. If it doesn't feel good, you're probably not doing it right. Sin feels good. Bad habits feel good. So what I want to do with bad habits, because in the same way, feels good, but the payoff, the negative, is down the road. I want to do the inverse of what I did last week. Last week, I want to take the good habit, make it easy, set a low bar. Today, I want to take that bad habit. And my goal is to make it difficult and unattractive. I want to make it hard to do it. Because it tastes good, and it feels good, I want to raise the bar that I got to jump through. I want to make it more challenging for me to get to that habit. Because getting there, every time I nibble at it, it just tastes so good. Your willpower is not, we cannot rely on our willpower alone. Willpower is a limited resource. Think of your willpower as your battery on your cell phone. It starts high at the beginning of the day, but it gets drained through the course of the day. So we are not just going to simply rely on willpower and say, that's gonna be enough to get me there to stop my bad habits. Your willpower wanes as the day goes on. And I'll prove this to you. How many times, I'm gonna raise both my hands on this one. How many times you did a great job eating breakfast and lunch, then you exploded at dinner? Like how many times that midnight snack is what did us in? How many times you were good at the dinner party and someone said, do you want dessert? You said no. But then that second offer, that third offer, and then they insisted and boom, it was over. How many times? Okay, and I won't say this ever happened to me, but I'll tell you this happened to me. How many times you're at the office, okay, and you walk by and someone left a box of donuts. And the first time you walk by, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has given me power in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I will walk by those donuts and I will judge anyone who eats those things. The second time you walk by in a little bit, you're a little bit weaker. You just kind of peek and do like a double take. 
You say, oh, that looked like a Boston cream, but that's okay. God, give me strength. <laughs> Third time you walk by it, you poke it, <laughs> caress it. You curse the person who brought it. Fourth time, you pull up a chair and set up a laptop right there, okay? <laughs> because your willpower is not enough. It's not enough. Your willpower wanes. We need to fight smarter, not harder. We cannot fight harder. We all doing the best that we can, and that's gotten us to where we are. We need a better strategy. So instead of just fight harder, fight harder, we want to fight smarter and make it difficult and unattractive. Look what the King Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 4. He says, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. What King Solomon is saying right here is saying when there's something tempting, that box of donuts, whatever that bad habit is you're trying to get rid of, man, do not even walk on the same path. And then he tells us four ways, four ways. He's basically saying the same thing. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away. Pass on. What he's saying is figure out what it is. You, you, you struggle every time you pass by that bar. Do not pass by that bar. Avoid it. Pass on. Turn away. You struggle when you're online and you're just doing nothing. You're bored online. Avoid it. Don't even go near it. Make it as difficult as possible to get to that point. Every time you're with that group of friends, you bash your husbands together. Avoid that group of friends. Make it as difficult as possible for you to be in a situation which leads you to those bad habits. Last week, for those who are here, Okay, let's take a step back. Last week, we talked about this habit loop. This is based on a book by a guy named Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit. Highly recommend that book. He talks about how every habit in life has three components. There's a trigger, there's an action, and a reward. A trigger or a cue, and then an action, which is the habit, and then a reward that comes from it. So I smell the coffee, I drink the coffee, I feel good from the coffee. I... Um, walk by, uh, I, I, I walk by the, the, the I, I, I go to the computer, okay? I log on to the computer. I go on the bad sites. I feel pleasure for a little bit and then a lot of guilt afterwards. There's a cue, an action, and then a reward or an outcome. Our goal today is going to be to cut or remove the trigger. And if we do that, we break the cycle. Like our strategy is not gonna be more willpower to resist the trigger. That's usually how we think. Walk by the donuts and do not eat. What we're gonna talk about today is how to remove the trigger and get it out of the picture altogether. And by removing the trigger, the action has to be different because there was a sequence. Trigger, action, reward. Trigger, action, reward. If I change the trigger or remove the trigger, now the action doesn't know what to do. Now the action will have to be different and the cycle will be broken. There are five main triggers, okay, that Duhigg speaks about in his book. Five main triggers. Obviously, anything could be a trigger. But all the majority of the triggers that set us off on the path to destruction are in these five categories. I'll talk about the first four here, then I get to the last one. They are, as you see, place, time, mood, moments. Place, time, mood, moments. Let's start with place. Generally speaking, our bad habits are connected to a place. Like you probably don't overeat in the gym. You probably don't look at pornography in the living room. You probably don't drink at church. If you do, you got problems. <laughs> Generally speaking, those bad habits happen in certain places all the time. And that place becomes a trigger for that action. Let's do the next one with time. It's kind of connected to place. You generally, if you overeat, at least if you're like me, it's probably the same time every day. Some of us, it's that afternoon snack. Some of us, it's that midnight snack. Like you generally overeat at the same time every single day. If you struggle, like I said, drinking, probably it's the same day of the week. Like it's probably not Wednesday mornings. It's probably Friday night or Saturday night. If you struggle looking at stuff online, you're addicted to stuff online, it's probably, generally speaking, at night, late at night, when everyone else has gone to sleep. So in general, there are triggers and if we can, again, fight smarter, not harder. What are the triggers? What are the patterns? These bad habits, usually same time or same place. Third is mood. And generally speaking, our moods can be triggers. And they talks about how the four moods are halt. Okay, the four moods, you gotta be careful. Halt, H-A-L-T. H is hungry. When you're hungry, we all know how that one works. 
Second is angry. And I know some people combine the first and the second. Okay, hungry and the angry. And two, hangry. Very good. Okay. Third is lonely. And I'll add on lonely, bored. Okay. Lonely or bored or idle. And then the last one, T, is tired. When you are hungry or you are angry or you are lonely or you are tired, you are probably more vulnerable to certain habits. So be smart. Notice it. It's every time that I, I had a bad night's sleep or I had a late night, I'm tired, led to this. Or I'm idle, you know, between projects, led to this. Or I'm hungry, it's after work every day before dinner, leads me to this. Fight smarter, not harder. Last one is moments. Moments like I fought with my spouse. And for some of us, fight with our spouse that leads, that's the trigger that leads to a downward spiral of bashing him, okay, or cursing her, or, you know, um, leading me to this bad habit, this addictive behavior, just to kind of cope with this, whatever it may be. Some of us, it may be something as simple like moments of like a football game. I always overeat when I'm watching football. I always drink too much when I'm out with these people, or whatever it may be. Like there are triggers, and we need the self-awareness to examine it and say, you know what? It's not as random as we think it is is probably connected to a certain cue. We're gonna look at King David. Okay, King David, great man of God. Okay, man after my own heart, but King David had some bad mistakes. Really one bad mistake, but it was, again, not just one bad mistake, but the major one was when he committed adultery with a married woman, then he lied, conspiracy to cover it up, then he ended up having the guy murdered, okay, the husband, so that he could remarry the woman. Let's look at King David and his fall right here and see if we can see those triggers. Place, time, mood, and moments in the life of King David. It happened in the spring of that year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. I'm not justifying King David's mistake. But all I'm saying is, let's just look at it. Was there a specific place where King David was, where he shouldn't have been? Yeah, it said that he was at home. Okay, let's see, can this thing go back? There we go. Okay, first actually start with time. There was a time in the spring of that year, where should he have been during that time? Should have been a battle. So he's the wrong time. And then it happened, okay, that he was, he remained at Jerusalem. Shouldn't have been at Jerusalem. Should have been on the front lines. That's where the king's supposed to be. Wrong place, wrong time. Was there a wrong mood? It happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof. So I would say David was lonely. David was bored. David was idle. He was just kind of just checking out what's going on right there. And that idleness led to problems. And then the moment, okay, not the most common thing, but he saw a naked woman bathing on another roof, okay? Doesn't usually happen, but hey, it turned out bad for him that that was the moment that he walked out there, okay? And again, I'm not excusing David's sin, saying like it wasn't his fault. All I'm saying is, if David had paid attention, David, when are you most vulnerable? What places? What times? What moods? What moments? The story might have been different. And who knows? Maybe you too. Maybe if you recognize nighttime, man, that's my weakness. Maybe if, you, maybe if you just come to that realization, I'm weaker at night. So then you know what? Maybe you just go to bed early. Someone told me that one time, by the way. The best spiritual advice someone told me, go to bed. Go to bed. That's the best thing that you can do. Don't stay up late. Don't read. Don't pray. Don't, don't. Go to bed. And if you just wonder, think about it. If you just went to bed every day at 10 o'clock, how many stupid things you would have avoided doing in life that you regret today? Watch your place, watch your time, watch your mood, watch your moments. The fifth one I think is the most important one, so I'll spend a little bit more time on that. The fifth trigger is people. And be careful. Because we are, no matter how strong we think we are, we all think that we are Fort Knox, impenetrable. But I'm telling you, we are much more influenceable than we realize. There are many studies which will tell you about the effects of your closest friends on your life. Many studies. There's one particular study that I found absolutely fascinating. There was a study. That study tracked 12,000 people over the course of 32 years. How that's even possible, I don't have the faintest idea. 
but it's on the internet, so for sure it's true. <laughs> they came to many conclusions, okay? Many, many, many things, and I'm not here to talk about all that stuff, but there's just two that I wanted to highlight, specifically about the role of people and how they influence you. What they discovered, 12,000 people, 32 years, that if you, number one, if you have a friend who is significantly overweight, if you have a friend, one of your five closest, how they defined it, one of your five closest friends is significantly overweight, you are 57% chance more likely that you are overweight as well. Significantly overweight. 57% chance. Like if I find a group of friends and I say one of those people is significantly overweight, you are 57% more likely to be significantly overweight as well. The inverse of that is also true. If you have a friend who lost significant weight, if there's someone in your life who lost significant weight, then it says one of the three closest people to that person will have lost significant weight as well. People that we hang with shape our behaviors. And we didn't really need no study to tell us this because the scripture told us this a long time before. It says, let's read this all together. This is one of those, this is one of those golden verses. Read it all together with me. He who walks with wise men, no, all together, one, two, three. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Walk away with this idea. You walk with the wise, you will be wise. You walk with the fools, you'll be a fool. You walk with the honest, you'll be honest. You walk with turkeys, you'll be a turkey too. And you know this to be true from your experience. Again, let's stick with the easy one. The easiest one is eating. How much easier is it to eat healthy if everyone around you is eating healthy? This is one of the reasons why, okay, I'm not into the eating healthy so much, but I just, I, 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 I study people around. I like to eat at Panera. Why? Because I walk into Panera, everyone else there is healthy. I'm like, okay, I just, if I sit in the same place as them, then good stuff should happen. Like you very rarely see overweight people in Panera as opposed to other places. I'm not trying to bash any other places. So I'll just kind of leave the names aside. I walk into that place like, nope, no, thank you. I want to be like those people. No matter what you, I just, it's much easier to eat healthy if everyone in your group is eating healthy. It's a lot easier to do well in school if all of your closest friends are very studious and into good grades. It's easier to be involved in church if your closest friends are involved in church. And the opposite is also true. If you hang out with people who don't care about church, it's gonna be difficult for you to be super close. You hang out with people who don't care about their grades, just wanna party. It's gonna be difficult for you to be different than them. You hang out with people who every way, every, it's always the all-you-can-eat buffet or, or, or all-you-can-drink, whatever it may be, or happy hour, whatever. It's gonna be really difficult because people shape us more than we realize. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Keyword there is deceived. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. We are oftentimes deceived. And we're deceived by who? By ourselves. We lie to ourselves. No, this person doesn't impact me. No, 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 no. I, I can say no to the temptation. No, 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 no. That's just someone I hang out with on the weekend, but they don't have any influence over me. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Let me say that another way. It is impossible, I believe, impossible to live right if you've got the wrong friends. And if there's one thing I hammer into my kid's head, it's this. It is impossible to live right if you got the wrong friends. And I'm telling you, if you're struggling with some bad habits and you really want to do something about it, if you're really struggling and you can't stop certain things, if you really want to do something about it, look around and see the people that you spend time with. And be honest, do not be deceived. Maybe your struggle, maybe the triggers coming from outside there. So let's recap. We're talking about stopping bad habits. We said it's going to take more than willpower. It's going to take more than just like, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. We need to fight not harder. We need to fight smarter. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to take those bad habits, do the opposite of last week. We want to take a bad habit. We want to make it as difficult and unattractive as possible. And we're going to attack it at those five trigger levels. The place, the time, the mood, the moment, and the people. We want to make it more difficult to do the habit than to break the habit. We want to make it more unattractive. Like the habit itself will taste worse. Like I want to pour whatever it is that I can't stop eating. I want to pour dirt on that thing. I want to pour dirt on that habit. So every time I taste it, it tastes worse to me. So that way I break the trigger, interrupt the cycle. What does that look like on a practical level? How this plays out? Let's take the example I talked about last week with snoozing. Let's say you struggle with the snooze. You and the snooze are best friends. You, your pattern is every day you do the same thing. 
That alarm goes off, you hit that snooze. You do it seven times. You got 63 minutes of the worst sleep possible, but you will not let go of it. You hit that snooze, you hit that snooze, you hit that snooze. But then you come here and you say, hey, wait a minute. Father Anthony said, who I want to become? My identity that I want. I want to be a healthy person who eats a good balanced breakfast, not whatever junk he just grabs on the way out. I want to be a man of God or a woman of God. I want to have time for the scripture. I want to work out before, like I want to be a different kind of a person. This snooze standing in the way. So I'm gonna make it more difficult and unattractive. Why am I put that alarm clock? By the side of the roof. So when that thing goes off, I gotta get out of my warm, cozy bed, walk across that cold, cold, cold floor because my husband is a monster and keeps the air conditioned at 67 degrees. <laughs> and I'm telling you, that putting it over there made it a lot more unattractive, made it a lot more difficult to do. That's how we're gonna do it. Let's say your problem is this place called Target. You heard of Target? I know some people who have a compulsive addiction to Target. Some people cannot, like it is impossible, they tell me, impossible to walk in and walk out without spending at least $200. I know some people, I know ladies, and I'm telling you the honest truth, I know ladies who got a job, not because they wanted the money, but because their husband wanted them to stop shopping at Target. So they just needed something to keep them busy so they wouldn't be at Target every single day. Let's say your problem is Target and you just can't get into Target without spending all this money, everything you need there at Target. Here's what you do. You take a friend with you, but not your shopping buddy friend. Take your husband. <laughs> take your child who needs to pee. <laughs> do not let him go to the bathroom before you go. Give him as many iced teas as he can drink as soon as you walk in and say, we will not go to the bathroom in this place. And you take that child. If you don't have any of those, I will volunteer my services. I'm the most pleasant person to go shopping with. Because whatever it is you say you need, you don't need that. No, you don't need that. No, your kids don't need that. No, you don't even need your kids. Don't worry, are you kidding me? I will help you. Take someone like me with you to Target. Let's say you struggle online. Online is a problem for you, be it social media, spending, wasting too much time, procrastinating, or maybe getting to places that you don't want to be. It always happens at night. I know people, I know someone who I respect very much. So you know what, I got this problem, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take my laptop, I'm gonna keep it in the car. I'm not gonna even bring it in the house after work. I'm not gonna bring it in the house, I don't need it. I don't need it for anything. All I end up doing is wasting my time on it. I'm gonna keep it in the car. I know other people who their phone is set, there's certain apps that cut your phone off from all internet stuff. 10 o'clock, that phone goes out. A friend has the password. Something is set on there, 10 o'clock, they can't even use their phone. I read about one person, I read this about an executive, a high-ranking executive who found himself wasting too much time on social media throughout the week. So this is what he did. This is how you make something unattractive and difficult. He got his assistant. Every Monday morning, she changes all the passwords on his social media accounts. She changes them and she doesn't tell him. And then on Friday afternoon, she sends him what the new password is. And then all weekend long, he can use it. And then on Monday morning, she changes it again. So he cannot use it Monday through Friday. That's someone who is committed to breaking the cycle, to saying, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to just keep walking in the same loop. I don't want the same trigger, action, reward. Trigger, action, reward. And a person is willing to do something about it. And then after you've taken that step, you're gonna go back to what I said last week. I know I talked about it this order, but there was a reason for it. But after you do what I just said, you're gonna break this bad habit. You're gonna make it unattractive. You're gonna make it difficult. You're gonna go back to last week and you're not just going to remove the bad, you're gonna replace it with the good because there's a very instructive verse here that Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. He says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, unclean spirit can be like the bad habit. When it goes out of a man, he goes to dry places seeking rest and finding none. The unclean spirit says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. We do not just want to remove the bad. We want to replace it with good. So you're going to say, I'm going to leave the laptop in the car. I'm not going to do the social media. I'm not just going to sit there and stare at the sky. I'm going to read a book with pages every evening. That's what I'm going to do. I saved all this time on social media. I'm going to buy a book. I'm going to read the book. It's going to be a very nice experience. You say, I'm not going to snooze in the morning. But the goal isn't just to wake up to wake up. 
The goal is alarm on the other side, not gonna snooze, start my day with prayer or start my day with a nice jog or make myself a healthy breakfast, pack myself a healthy lunch. The goal isn't just to stop the bad, the goal is to start the good. You say, I'm gonna give up Starbucks. Several coffee people complained that I was giving a hard time to the coffee people last week, okay? You say, I'm gonna give up Starbucks. I'm not gonna go to Starbucks. I'm gonna drink what the peons drink at the office, the free stuff, you know what I mean? Like with the, like the, 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 the rugrats there, the, like the, the, the filthy people drink the free stuff. But I'm gonna give it up. I'm gonna give up the Starbucks and I'm gonna drink the free. But the goal isn't just to give up the Starbucks. The goal is to take the five bucks per day that you would have spent and put that towards your debt, your credit card debt, or to be generous with that money. The goal is to do something positive, not just to stop the negative. Figure out who you want to be. Figure out that identity. Ask yourself, what's standing in the way from that identity? I wanna be close to God, what's standing in the way? I wanna be a man of integrity, what's standing in the way? I wanna be an involved dad. I wanna be a supportive wife, what's standing in the way? And just in case, just in case, you're not convinced after all that I said. Just in case you're still not convinced that that bad habit really is that bad. Do, one, do me a favor. Ask yourself one question. Ask yourself, where is this going to take me in a year? I told you in the beginning, every decision is a small step towards something. So ask yourself, this habit, where is it going to put me in a year? Where is it going to put me in five years? Ten years? Just ask yourself that question. Today's decisions shape tomorrow's identity. So you spend more money than you make. You make this, you spend this. Play it out for me. Where's that going to put you in a year? Two years? Five years? Where's that going to put you with your, your, your financial goals? Where's that going to put you? You eat ice cream after every meal. Where's that going to put you? Fast forward the process. You regularly, regularly ignore your kids for your phone. Where's that going to put you in a year? Where's that going to put your relationship in five years, 10 years? when they're old enough to have their own kids. Like, fast forward the story for me. And I'll tell you, because I, I, I see this stuff. I see this stuff. I, I see this stuff on the back end. I'll tell you where it's going to lead you. You're going to one day say, I had no idea. I had no idea how much this would cost me. You're going to say, I had no idea but I would lose so much from this one small habit. I had no idea that I'd lose my relationship with my children, that I would throw away my career, a promising career, that it would get this bad in my marriage, that I'd have no connection to God when I needed him most. Nobody ruins their life overnight. We ruin our lives one small step at a time. But now like Samson, in the middle of the story. You got a chance to turn it around. You got a chance to say, I've taken 10 steps, 30 steps, 100 steps, 200 steps, but no more. I'm gonna start walking back this way because every step, every decision, every decision is a step towards something. Every decision today is, is a step towards an identity tomorrow. And I love this verse that the St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. I wish Samson would have read this says, therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Samson, you are strong and you are mighty and you kill lions with your bare hands. But let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Samson had 56,250 chances to turn it around. And he didn't. And now it's your chance. Like Samson, no big deal. Just having fun. Just a small decision. What impact will it have? Or you realize that every decision today is taking me somewhere tomorrow. Never underestimate the power of small decisions. Never underestimate the power of small decisions. Never underestimate the power of small decisions, good or bad. Small good habits, small bad habits, because ultimately they define who you are in life. Leave you all with this verse from Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. It means that there is, 
There's no getting around the truth right here. You can fool yourself, you can't fool God. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. What you sow, you will reap. Samson sowed 56,250 steps towards his death and ultimately did him in. And we have a chance now to sow steps towards life, towards those goals, towards those dreams for our future. That is not going to happen overnight. It happens in small steps. And if you start taking those small steps, here's our theme verse. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. We will not fight harder. We will fight smarter. We will know that every decision is a step towards something, and we will not lose heart because in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for opening our eyes here today to the great works that you want to do in our lives and the habits that are standing in the way of it. Help us, Lord, to have the courage to face those habits, the ones even sometimes we don't even want to admit to ourselves. Give us the courage, Lord, that we need to face them head on and to attack them, not in big ways, but in small ways. Because, Lord, we don't want to end like Samson. We don't want to be taking steps towards the death of our dreams, of our relationships, of our faith. So give us, Lord, the strength that we need and the grace that we need to take this small step in the right direction. We pray this in the name of your Son, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. All right, thank you everyone for coming. Uh, if you need your parking pass, uh, they're going to be by the connection table if you parked in the garage. Also, don't forget about the, the book drive that we have next week. If you have a book for fourth and fifth graders, please drop it off at the connection table. And that's all the announcements for today. Have a good weekend, everyone.